What is going on, everybody, on this Tuesday edition of The Fan, December 15th, 2020, and oh man, what a treat we were given last night on Monday Football, easily the game of the year in the NFL, and as I said yesterday when we closed, for some of you, it would be a Victory Tuesday, and for some of you, it would be a crappy Tuesday, no pun intended, Browns fans, I am sorry, a little too soon for that one. But what a game. Let's dig into it here. Lamar Jackson's only thought was to rescue his teammates last night. And just like any other superhero, Lamar emerged from the locker room, saved the game, and maybe even Baltimore season with a 47-42 win over the Cleveland Browns in a wild back-and-forth Monday night football game. Back on the field after being sidelined by cramps, Jackson threw a 44-yard touchdown pass to Marquise Brown and then set up Justin Tucker's 55-yard game-winning field goal with two seconds left as the Ravens improved to 8-5 and five and kept their playoff hopes alive, dropping the Cleveland Browns to 9-4 and four on the season. Don't get me wrong, the Browns are still in great shape at 9-4 and four in the wildcard position. Look... There are so many things you can talk about this game. I, I, I sincerely hope you're able to watch it. You know, Lamar Jackson, there, there, there's, not an, there's not enough words, not enough praise you can give this guy. This guy continues to get so much flack over his inability to pass the football. And in some respects, he deserves it. You know, last night, 11 of 17, 163 yards, one touchdown. But realistically, the guy doesn't need to throw the ball to be an MVP. Last night, he showed why he was an MVP. You know, without him, the Ravens would be awful. Just awful. And that is why he is the MVP. MVPs come up in the clutches moments, make the biggest plays. And what more clutch of a play can you make than... (coughs) Sorry. Stumbling out of the locker room, hobbling, your team is fourth and five at the two-minute warning. Got to get the first down or your playoff hopes are over. Limps out on the field, limps out of the pocket, makes it the biggest play of the game for a 44-yard touchdown. How much clutch, more clutch can you get? Oh, wait a minute. The Browns come down and tie the game. And what does he do with a not even the two-minute drill, the one-minute drill, one timeout, gets... Drives down the field, gets Justin Tucker in uh, field goal range, and that's all she wrote because you know darn well Justin Tucker does not miss field goals. So, yeah, this game is very interesting. As a you know, I hate to say it, but this 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 game could easily go down in Cleveland allure. You know, you have the drive, you have the fumble, and now you have the Lamar cramp game. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it, but I mean that's what it turned into. You know, this game will go down as one of the best, most entertaining games in NFL history. Um, you know, especially specifically the fourth quarter. Um, but where I like to start digging into this game was, you know, it was fairly back and forth in the first half, but, you know, nothing, you know, super significant. But, you know, what really stood out to me was, so the game's 14-14. The Ravens get the ball. The Browns have just scored a touchdown. You know, the Ravens are looking to get some points at the end of the half. First two plays. Uh a sack, an incomplete pass. Now they're looking at punting the ball back to the Browns. Browns having plenty of time on the clock. Lamar Jackson, and again, it's little plays like this to why I truly believe he is the MVP, scrambles out of the pocket, dodges two defenders, hits a wide-open tight end for about a 40-yard pass, 40-yard gain. Very next play, 22-yard scramble, 
out of the pocket, runs it in for a touchdown. You know, in a matter of two plays, he took the game over at the end of the half, gave the Ravens a 21-14 lead, put a statement on the first half. And that first half, honestly, I felt the Ravens were outplayed. I thought the Browns totally outplayed them in the first half. And yet they go to the locker room with a seven-point lead simply due to his greatness. And, you know, the Browns knew coming into this game, all you have to do is stop Lamar Jackson on the ground. You're not worried about him throwing the ball. Make him beat you throwing the ball. And, you know, at one point in this game, he'd only thrown eight passes for, like, 40 yards until the very end. I mean, they even him running the ball, and they knew he was going to do it, they still couldn't stop him. You know, half their touchdowns were him running it in. So, you know, I I don't know. This game is just crazy and all over the place. There's so many moments that you're like, holy cow. You know, you got to give the Browns credit. Baker Mayfield, a great game. He made one bad mistake on the interception. But besides that, the offense is clicking. I still truly believe that the Browns are underachieving. Obviously, their defense is holding them back, hindering them. I mean, they're just awful. You know, to let Lamar Jackson run on them like that. Um, you know, in this game, if anybody missed it, the the Browns are down 34 to 20 with, you know, early fourth quarter. Browns drive down, they score, and quietly on ESPN they mention that Lamar Jackson's not on the sideline. Well, where is he? You know, the team reports he's fine. All of a sudden, here comes the third-string quarterback trotting out. Uh, Trace McShirley, I believe is how you say his name, comes out three and out couple drop passes by Marquise Brown, which will be very ironic later. Um, Browns get the ball back, drive right down the field, score, go for two, kind of get lucky on a batted pass that falls into a receiver's hands. Now they have a one-point lead. The Ravens have five minutes to go in the game. The third-string quarterback's on the field. Nobody knows where their starting quarterback is or why he's not on the field in their biggest moment of the season. The third-string quarterback you got to give him credit. You got to give him credit. Big fourth down play, hits his tight end over the middle, drives them barely into field goal range. And on third and two, they run, they like to run the uh, double option, rolls his ankle, gets hurt. So now you're sitting here, you're at the two minute warning in the game, getting ready to have a fourth and five. Your third string and only quarterback on the field is has a serious leg injury. Trainers are coming to him. And right as they go to cut, Cut to commercial. Guess who comes running out of the locker room? Superman. MVP. Lamar Jackson. I mean, you could not have scripted it any crazier. Any crazier. It's unbelievable. So now you go to commercial and you're like, what is happening? And then you realize he's, he was limping out of the locker room. Can he even run? Can he even scramble? Can he even throw the ball? I mean, he hasn't thrown it very good the entire game. Comes out there. Scrambles out of the pocket. I don't know what the Browns were doing, not containing him in the pocket. Once he gets out of the pocket, all 11 players start running at him. Leave um, Marquise Brown wide open, 44-yard touchdown pass. Just imagine being a Browns fan. You are five, you are one play away from hopes and dreams coming true to being shattered just like that, with a story just like that. Just unbelievable. I mean, you, t- you cannot put somebody in a more tough, stressful situation, and Lamar comes through. And wow, just wow. And, you know, all the credit to the Browns. They get the ball back, not even phased. I don't even think it took them a minute. No, I think they scored less than a minute to get down the field. And they score with 
a minute, like a minute five to go. And everybody in that stadium, everybody watching the game, every Browns fan knew they scored with way too much time left. You gave Lamar way too much time, not necessarily for Lamar, but you know the best field goal kicker in the world is on the other sideline, and he does not miss. I mean, if he, people would have been more stunned if he missed the game-winning field goal than if he made it, or if he this game tied in overtime. You know, he just doesn't miss. It's automatic. And that guy wakes up every morning, and he knows he's the best kicker. It's like a, you know, 50-some yarders, like a extra point for him, you know? So as a Browns fan, as everybody, you knew you gave the Ravens too much time, which I find very ironic because the Browns are not the most loved team because of Nick Chubb running out of bounds at the one-yard line and costing a lot of betters a lot of money. So I find it ironic that instead of staying a yard short, running some clock and then pounding it in, uh, Kareem Hunt scores. Turns out the karma turns out to uh, bite the Browns in the butt there. Um, so... Yeah, very interesting there. Um, you know, I was I was texting with some buddies. I was shocked the Browns did not go for two uh, when they scored it there with, with about a minute to go. I know they were down one point. If they if they don't get it, they lose by one. If they get it, they're ahead by one. They'd gone for two just before and got it. And, I mean, the Browns were carving up the Ravens, carving up their defense. You know, Baker Mayfield, 28-47, 343 yards, two touchdowns. Nick Chubb, 17 carries, 18 yards. That's not even including Kareem Hunt's numbers. And you look at yards, the Browns had 493 yards. 493 yards. There was no way the Ravens were going to stop them. They were gassed, hands on their hips. I think the Browns did them a favor. I think if I'm the Browns there, I'm thinking, look, I can kick the extra point, give Lamar a minute, hope my defense stops them. But then I also need to win the coin toss to get the ball first. Because whoever's going to get the ball first in overtime is probably going to win the game. Bottom line, because no defense was stopping anybody. Both defenses were horrible. It's like a Madden game. And you have a chance with their defense tired, your offense clicking, one play to go ahead and win the game. And to be honest, you have nothing to lose. You're nine and three. You know, it's the, the Ravens have all to lose. So I, I, I just really thought they should have went for two there. You know, obviously, if they go for it and don't get it, you know, people are probably, you know, letting them have it. But, you know, the Browns played a great game. Baker Mayfield proved, you know, he's come a long way. Um, and you got to give him credit. Um, but at the same time, he has so many weapons on offense. It's like, how much time did you need to be able to start clicking? I mean, you have cream, you have the two, two of the best running backs in your backfield in the entire NFL. I mean, they're both workhorses. Kareem Hunt, you can make an argument that one's better than the other. I mean, they're like a coin toss every game. Who's going to have better numbers? Hunt's an amazing, uh, Receiver to throw to when he's not a running back. You know, you have Hooper. You have um, Landry. You know, you have all these targets. You know, they don't even need Beckham. They've played much better without him. That's shocking. You know, you get a distraction off the team and you start playing better. Real shocker there, right? So they don't even need him. They're clicking better without him. Baker has some confidence. You know, it's just amazing that, you know, they scored 42 points. I think they could score more. So, I don't know, they're, they're definitely going to be a problem in the uh, AFC. You know, I, you can make argument they're playing the best out of all the teams in the North right now, um, and they're not a team you want to run into. And, you know, I think tonight or last night they ran into Lamar and the Ravens' last stand. Um, so, yeah, very interesting. But some, the last thing I want to talk about in this game, 
is the major bad beat at the end of the game. So it looked like across most markets, the Ravens were three-point favorites. So Justin Tucker makes that field goal, puts him up three, two seconds left. Looks like everybody's going to push. I saw you know, a lot of the betting population, you know, they paid a little more and got the Browns three in the hook, three and a half. And uh, the baddest of bad beats, God, can teams just stop running the looking for the music miracle lateral, 20 lateral play. Browns run the lateral play, end up taking a safety, and on the last play of the game, if you have the Browns plus three and a half or Browns plus three, boom, gone, loser on that play. And if you had the Ravens minus three, you are going nuts. You're having a party. So major, major, major bad beat there. Um, but just what a terrific football game. Um, so, yeah, that's the, the Monday night breakdown. You know, Browns get the Giants next. Uh so, you know, I expect them to bounce back. And we'll see what the Ravens do. You know, the Ravens still, you know, they're still not even in the wild card spot right now. They're still behind Miami, so they, they can't afford to slow down. They need to keep playing well. And, you know, we'll see if this big, physical, crazy game hurts them down the long run. But what a game that was. That's all I can say. Giannis, $228 million, five years to stay with the Bucks. Interesting move there. What does that mean for James Harden? What is going on in the NBA? We'll talk about it. And even the college football playoff top 25 just came out. We will talk about it when we return. Welcome back into The Fan on this Tuesday, December 15th, 2020. And just as we are recording, the College Football Playoff Committee has just come out with their new rankings. And no change, no surprise here. The top four remains the same in the same order. Number one, Alabama, the Crimson Tide. Two, Notre Dame. Three, the Clemson Tigers. And for the Ohio State Buckeyes, where we do have some action here is, well, Texas A&M stays five, but Iowa State makes the jump to number six. Florida only drops one spot. Very interesting. Cincinnati is at number nine. Somehow, someway, two lost Georgia is ahead of nine and oh. Cincinnati, Georgia sits at eight. Don't know if I agree with that at all. Coastal Carolina. One of the stories of the season moves up to 12. I might would argue why they're there and not higher, but oh well. USC, same record as Ohio State, same strength schedule as Ohio State, playing in the conference championship Saturday night or Friday night, 13th. Ohio State, 4. Interesting. But I'll leave that to you guys. Number or number 15 is North Carolina now. North Carolina moves up after beating Miami. Miami drops from 10 to 18. BYU drops to 17. And really no other big moves. NC State sneaks in. San Jose State, welcome to the top 25. Well-deserved. Good luck in your conference championship game. So, yeah, that's your new top 25. I didn't give all of them, but those are some big ones there. Um, you know, tomorrow on the show, we're going to start diving into some of these conference championship games, conference championship weekend. 
really the big one, Notre Dame-Clemson, the rematch for the ACC championship. What a win or a loss means to each team. Trevor Lawrence back, and I think even with him back, it's going to be a pretty competitive game. The Buckeyes in the North and Northwestern, the four versus the 14. Come on. I still see over 20, 25-point win for the Buckeyes, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. The Tide in the SEC Championship game, 17.5-point favorites over the Florida Gators. That is all you need to know about Alabama, that they are in a neutral site conference championship game, and they are 17.5-point favorites. By far the best team in college football and the favorite to win it all. We'll also go over some scenarios tomorrow of who gets in and who's out, depending on what happens. What has to happen for Cincinnati to get in? Does Coastal Carolina even have a chance? So we'll go over some of that. What is it going to take for one of these top four teams to fall out? I honestly can't see Alabama falling out of the top four, with a, even with a loss to Florida. But who knows? Well, back into some other news. As I said before we went off the air, today Giannis signed a five-year, $228 million extension to remain in Milwaukee. As a fan of a small market team as the Cavaliers, I am so glad to hear this. After going through what we have with LeBron James, knowing how hard it is to have big-name market players come to small market cities, I am glad that they were able to draft, (coughs) create, and keep the best player in the world in Giannis. And, you know, hopefully here throughout time, they actually did a pretty good job this offseason bringing in some new guys to try to help him get to a title. Um, You know, hopefully continue to bring in uh, new talent around him, keep them improving. What makes this interesting, though, is what does this mean for James Harden? Um, Now, James Harden, you know, that kind of narrows it down. Could he be traded to Milwaukee? Could he be traded to Brooklyn? Could he be traded to Miami? All very interesting places. Um, You know, I find the Harden trade request very interesting. Um, But at the same time, to me, the the trade Harden, uh, I mean, James Harden trade request is everything that is wrong with the NBA. Everything that is wrong with the NBA. And Giannis staying with the Bucs is the only thing right with the NBA. Let's start with James Harden. James Harden is demanding a trade out of Houston, who has done nothing but be good to him, put pieces around him. Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, they've had tons of shooters, tons of big guys. They got the coach he wanted, and Mike D'Antoni. And year after year after year, they get to the conference finals and lose. And part of that has to do with James Harden not coming through in the clutch. So now you decide to change things up, try to do something different this season, you know, hopefully reshuffle and find a way to win. And in the process, you don't like the fact that they got rid of your coach, Mike D'Antoni, who has never won anything, who will go down. He will go down with having two of the best teams in history to never even make the finals in those years he had the Phoenix Suns with Steve Nash, Sean Marion, Amari Stoudemire, and there were these Houston Rockets teams. Think about how dominant they've been. Think about how amazing offensively they've been, but never even made it to the finals. No matter how close they came, they've never made it. They either stopped by the Warriors, stopped by Kobe, stopped by LeBron, never made it. Is that bad luck or is it Mike D'Antoni? I don't know. But this organization has done everything they can for you, and now you're telling them, you know what, screw you guys, I want out. And it's not like they gave up on the season. 
They traded Russell Westbrook for John Wall. John Wall's a good basketball player. All-star. What more do you want? Is he injury-prone? Yeah. But, I mean, what do you expect out of these guys? These guys aren't waving the red flag. They're going out and trying to find pieces for you. They got DeMarcus Cousins. So, I just think it's a slap in the face to the city. It's a slap in the face to the organization. And it just shows that the NBA is just a bunch. A lot of these guys are just a bunch of divas that don't want to win it on their own. They have to go to a major market to try to promote themselves, make more money, and team up with people. Why else would James Harden want to go to Brooklyn? He obviously can't do it himself. He can't even do it with one wingman. So now he has to go to Brooklyn to play with Kyrie, Kevin Durant. How's that going to work? How are all those guys going to have the ball? They all love to dribble. I mean, who's going to control the ball there? Who's going to take the last shot? And why, you know, as a fan, why do we want to see another super team? You know, it gets to the point where, you know, like I said before, the Bucks, you're lucky. You got you drafted Giannis, you're able to keep him. He's he's a guy with his head on his shoulders the right way. And he wants to win for that city. He's loyal. But you don't have that anymore in the NBA. You have James Harden's, you have LeBron James's. You know, you have guys that just go wherever they want to do whatever they want. They don't give a crap about the teams. They don't give a crap about the city. They don't give a crap about the fans. They only give a crap about the money in their pocket and trying to cakewalk to a ring. And it's disappointing. You know, the NBA, it's just not, it's not the association that people my age group, age group grew up with and loved it. You know, back in the day, every team had one or two all-stars on it, pretty much. One or two must-see players. Now they're almost stacked on every team. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't see anybody beating the Lakers. I think Durant and Kyrie could. I don't think they're going to gel together because Kyrie's just a distraction and a disaster waiting to happen. But to beat the Lakers, James Harden almost has to go there. And now, again, you have two super teams. So a team like the Cavaliers, a team like the Sacramento Kings, a team like the Orlando Magic, why do you even bother? What is the point of getting excited for your team or NBA basketball when no matter what, you know you don't have a chance? It's like rooting for a mid-major school in college football. It's literally what it's like. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens with James Harden. But, you know, good for Giannis. I'm proud of him staying in Milwaukee. I think that's great for the sport. A um, couple quick other headlines before we go for the day. Um, it looks like the MLB owners and executives are pushing for the season to be delayed until May. Very interesting. Um, big good news here. Florida's uh, Florida guard, uh, Keon Johnson, is breathing on his own. He is no longer in a coma. He FaceTimed his teammates. Um, so that's great news to hear after he collapsed in their basketball game against Florida State the other day. Um, so great news there. Um, and that's really your headlines. Uh, tomorrow, looking to have uh, my boy Nicky Nicky Wheels on the show. Maybe my, my good friend Robert on the show here maybe even Captain Bolt, and we'll dive into college football, early NFL. Um, Wheels want to talk about uh, Steelers, so we'll get that in on there. And uh, we're going to start talking some NBA. Um, you know, season tips off the 23rd. Today's the 15th. A week from tomorrow, the NBA season tips off, so we'll start talking about that a little more. And most importantly, start diving into who has the best city jerseys for this 2020-2021 season. And, uh, yeah, so uh, I hope everybody enjoys the rest of their Tuesday. Look forward to uh, talking to you guys tomorrow. And uh, have a good one.